just how much daylight robbery are United going to get away with this season, Paul? How are you doing? I'm really good, thanks. We're recording about 20 minutes after full time in the Southampton game, so I am full of the festive joys. Tis the season for daylight robbery or evening time robbery, so it would appear. The police do say when the darker nights draw in, start to be more mindful, leave some lights on and stuff like that. Southampton did not pay any attention to the, the thieves that were operating in their area. Yeah, well, the lights were on. Unfortunately, no one in Manchester United's defence was home for much of that game. I, I've hardly, se- I, I was going to say, I've hardly seen the United uh, defensive performance as chaotic as that, except for the last time they played a back three, and maybe the time before that that they played a back three. So this is this is part of the philosophy, right? <laughs> there was a moment in the first half when Smalling was still on, where there was just this little moment where they just slightly reshaped themselves, and there was somebody covering their space really nicely. And, I was thinking, I was about to tweet, oh, that's quite good. I feel like that's sort of the philosophy. But that was one four-second period in the 90 minutes of catastrophic mess. I mean, I have to say, I I am a very big Van Gaal fan, and I think going to three at the back was an enormous mistake in this game. I mean, I, I just... As soon as the lineup was announced, you kind of your head drops a bit, and it's like, oh, this is not going to work because it isn't even the defensive organisation. It's like trying to get the ball from the back to the front when we play three at the back. They just, I don't know what it does to them, but they just don't know what to do with the ball, do they? Yeah, well, it was unfortunate for Herrera, who's excellent against Stoke, that he wasn't out of the side, and I think that contributed a lot to United's lack of cohesion. Anyway, look, um, we jump right into that because uh, that's fresh in our minds. But let's step back a week, shall we? Because United played Stoke City last weekend and were pretty good for, what, 70 minutes-ish, about? Yeah, that, that's that's about what I'd say. Just to, to, I know you've travelled the world, but it wasn't actually last weekend. It was a Tuesday night game under the lights at Old Trafford felt positively romantic that did such a a distant memory that we used to do that on a fairly regular basis but yeah I mean I I thought actually by the end it was a bit of a nightmare that game and could very very easily have gone the other way and I don't know you couldn't really say Stoke fully did not deserve to get anything out of that game because United they weren't great let's face it they were not great in that game but a fine headed goal from Marouane Fellaini that's always nice to see isn't it yeah any kind of goal isn't it well no wonder goal against uh, Fulham yeah, yeah. no West Brom so, Fulham aren't even in the Premier League I mean the, the a lot of the trouble with the United performances this season has been this phenomenon of it dropping off after 60 or 70 minutes and that came Again against Stoke, and and in the end, Stoke had what two or three really good chances in the last few minutes of the game, and Mark Hughes moaned afterwards about Stoke not equalising, and and you know there's a good argument to say he probably deserved it at least on chances created uh, right at the end there. You know, odd performance in the end from United, you know, sort of this. What would you call the formation? Sort of four three with Herrera just in front of the three, and and Wilson and. Van Persie up front. I mean, it's a slightly jumble of a formation in comparison to the sort of diamond that's been in play sometimes, or three, or whatever, you know. not It's not going to formations again. It's like a set of telephone numbers at the moment, isn't it? So, you know, it, it just didn't feel quite as cohesive as it was against Hull the week before when United had, what, you know, 97 and a bit <laughs> percent possession. Yeah, it was 77, wasn't it, in that game? And, and the Stoke game, it was still 64.5% possession, so... It was still not like United 
you know, relinquished much of the possession and, and a lot of that in the attacking third, but all of that in the first two thirds of the game, essentially. That goal <laughs> was funny when Rocco tried to pretend his hair had scored the goal. He's got that slightly 1950s quiff thing going on. I reckon he definitely made hair contact with the ball, but mm. clearly that doesn't count. I don't think that counts now. His girlfriend tweeted, oh, was it his wife tweeted afterwards or Instagrammed? Oh, yeah. Girlfriend, wife. Tweeted or Instagrammed. Tweet or Instagrammed. <laughs> yeah, one of these, you know, may have been on the internet. Uh, Someone that knows Marcus Rocco put something on the time, internet. His barber's milkman's friend said that uh, he scored a goal <laughs> in it. Um, no, he's, he's, so his girlfriend uh, Instagrams a picture of uh, what looks like the ball on his head, although I think uh, perspective may have played a part in that picture. Uh, I'm not sure he got anywhere near it, uh, but he certainly claimed it afterwards. Yeah, he did. And, you know, it was a non-terrible performance by United, but there was definitely a lack of clinicalness. Nothing like damning and faint praise there. <laughs> Quite, you know, yeah, non, non-terrible, non I think is a reasonable description of it. And and once again, De Gea with a remarkable save at the end to, to keep United in it, but then also Ashley Young with that brilliant goal line clearance. So yeah, vital, vital defensive intervention from the much maligned Ashley Young, who was all right again against Southampton, I thought. Right, yeah, Young had a good game, I thought. Uh, at left back against Stoke. I mean, you know, you wouldn't exactly call this a position that um, yeah, he's likely to make his own, but he's he's done all right there. You know, left back and left wing back have probably brought his best performances this season from Young. I'm still relative, isn't it? But still, yeah. In fact, uh, yeah, we'll we'll come and talk about the chaos in defence against Southampton. I thought United's defence for that first seventy minutes or so was pretty solid. I thought all of them did well. You know, Valencia pretty safe defensively smalling maybe he had his best game of the season in there you know he's actually been very good post manchester city red card hasn't he until the biscuits got him in the groin department today yeah well yeah the biscuits got him in the groin <laughs> you'll have to explain that one he's to me. made out of biscuits uh, and that the ah. bit of his biscuits that is his groin but this is unpleasant but anyway that all fell apart so he's now going to be out for six weeks or whatever Wonderful. I've no, I, I no idea how long he's actually. Well, look, you know, we we know from the internet that you can just make up any number, and uh, it's true. <laughs> so you know, yeah. Smalley is on death's door, death by Jaffa cake. <laughs> I think uh, you're saying there. Um, so yeah, I mean, he was pretty good against Stoke. In fact, you know, United did okay defensively. I think for for the most part of that game, it's just that flurry of chances near the end, where as you say, De Gea with a fine fine stop to keep United in it, and then Ashley Young with that clearance. Uh, you know, it all kind of seemed to be improbable in the in the end, didn't it? But you know, United uh, just grabbed that victory, and it seems to be a theme in recent weeks, doesn't it? United snatching victory away from what seems like something less. Absolutely. That game was the very ever-living embodiment of the David Moyes' side would have conceded that goal. You know, there's no way Moyes doesn't walk away from that game not having lost it 3-2. We've got a definite lucky general vibe going on at the moment. And hopefully that will continue to serve as well. But at some time, at some point, we're going to have to stop relying on getting ridiculously lucky. I'll tell you what, though, we had 10 attempts on goal in the Stoke game, which is, I don't know, about 15 more than we had against Southampton, where it was, I believe, minus three attempts on goal. Well, yeah, certainly some uh, odd numbers going around. I mean, the thing about Van Gaal being lucky, there's two ways of looking at this, isn't there? There's, There's one, when United actually start playing well, then, you know, boy, do we have a good side? Maybe mm. it's a lot better than people think. That's that's one, you know, maybe that's the optimistic view. The other is we can't keep playing like this and keep getting these results. 
So, you know, at some point, um, you know, maybe it's actually when we play someone good. Because if you look at Southampton's results in the last few games and Arsenal's results and Stoke's results and Hull City's results, hmm, um, it might all unravel. Stoke did beat Arsenal, of course. Yeah, well, look at Arsenal's results. <laughs> I was writing something this week and I had opportunity to look back at the 2012-13 season, uh, the game against Newcastle at Christmas when we were we were losing three times in that game and uh, eventually won 4-3 with the Chicharito winner. And I was remembering the podcast and you saying, we can't keep doing this. At some point, the luck's going to run out. And what Fergie did was totally transformed us into a very boring functional team for the rest of the season. I wonder if that's going to happen at, at, at some point here. Uh, I mentioned we can't really talk about that Stoke game without talking about young James Wilson, who got his first, um, no, not his first start for United because he started under under Ryan Giggs, didn't he, in that, in that whole game. But he played quite well, I thought. There was a couple of really great electric runs and there was the one where he could have slid in Van Persie, but instead he he went to whip in a shot at the kind of near post. And I mean, you could say that Van Persie would have had an easier chance than him, but you want your strikers to back themselves in that position, don't you? You do, certainly. Although, although, I mean, he's gone on a 60-yard run and it was a brilliant run in his pace and control with the ball and and uh, absolutely he's got the confidence to have a have a go but when you're van persie standing there in miles of space and you're basically going to have an open goal you're thinking give me a pass son so you know maybe a lack of maturity there who knows but you know he's he's just totally electric wilson I mean, he's, <laughs> uh, he does this every time he's played for the reserves he's it's not just that his his pace is absolutely immense so you can play all the ball over the top or through the middle and it forces defenders to play deeper but he's got great close control and he's a fine fine finisher as well with all of that so you know I think he's got a really positive future and and everything you saw in that game points to that doesn't it you know he he won't play all the games this season United have got a lot of quality up front obviously at least on paper if not always in practice at the moment so you know he's he's going to be eased into the the team I suppose and, and next season will be quite a big one for him I suspect I thought uh, Juan Mata had a pretty good game as well in that he was the player most involved in United's attacking play in the final third, which when we come on to the Southampton game, perhaps he did not have such a good game. So Mata and Herrera were interesting against Stoke because, you know, I wasn't sure which one was the playmaker mm. most of the mm. time. You know, Mata came off the left a lot, didn't he? And Herrera looked more central at times, but I thought they were both excellent. And, you know, Mata really involved. It's just, just the kind of performance you want from him where... You know, a lot of the players going through him, he gets a lot of touches and, and he's an influence. And, you know, as you say, it's it's the kind of thing that's frustrating about him because we know how talented he is, what he can bring in terms of goals and, and creativity. And, and you just want him to do it every single week. And it doesn't happen. And And there are clearly some games which don't suit him very well and some people might have thought that Stoke would be one of those games, but that, that wasn't the case. Uh, what did you make of Stoke and their performance? As, as has been the case this season, you know they're not they are not a brilliant side. They're in this kind of tra- transitionary period in terms of style. Hughes is trying to get them to play a better f- style of football, more, more expansive style of football. Um, but they, you know, they haven't half got a lot of competitors in that side. You know, and I don't think that's a cliche. They, you know, a lot of players, perhaps Stephen Ireland accepted, who are prepared to put in both work and and effort off the ball uh, Walters didn't do that he's he's he didn't play sorry um he's the the kind of you know archetypal Stoke player I suppose um so you know I thought I thought they tried and they didn't really produce a lot until the end of the game 
and United were in control for most of the game. And isn't that what you expect of a, a team of Stoke's sort of status and quality coming to Old Trafford? Yeah, absolutely. And just fantastic to get those three points as well, wasn't it? It was like just at the end, it felt such a relief and such a kind of cool thing because that, that put us on four wins on the bounce and sort of took the pressure off the Southampton game in a way because a draw wouldn't have been the end of the world against Southampton after after that run of form. Although it's, it's obviously amazing that we won it and now we're up to third in the league where we totally deserve to be 100% on merit. Absolutely. Yeah, no probs. Yeah. Um, so one one thing we should mention uh, before we move on to the Southampton game, uh, Nzondi's goal. Oh. Pick that one. I mean, you've got to be a bit special to beat De Gea these days. And yeah. uh, that was a bit special. It was. He was. He had a lot of room, but he uh, he used it to tremendous effect. Uh, definitely the goal of the game, wasn't it? Indeed. What, what, what are you saying, um, Marcus Rocco's deft flick wasn't wasn't you know perfection? Oh, and Michael Carrick's deft leave his man completely alone wasn't perfection either. Carrick couldn't do that, would he? Mm. <laughs> Doesn't sound like him to me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Southampton. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a word that is more chaotic than omni-shambles. You know, it's the one we come back to a fair bit on this show, isn't it? What's more yeah. chaotic? It, what, what, is a, what is a cluster of omni-shambles, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. See, I'm just repeating the word yeah over and again because I can't think of anything productive to say about that game. I mean, the Arsenal game was hilarious. This wasn't that funny <laughs> for quite a lot of it. It was. It got funny finally when Van Persie scored his second goal. It finally the punchline paid off. But cripes! From the moment we saw the three at the back, just everything that you thought would happen happened. <laughs> Except apparently Southampton are really oh. terrible. Arsenal was um, just completely different. That was amusing because. You know what United have done is a few smash and grabs at Arsenal over the years, you know, playing on the break and, and scoring. That was different because they were pretty dominant and, and United really did steal it, you know, but it just made it all more funnier. It's like being a rabbit in the headlights, you know, there's a big truck coming at you and somehow it just rides straight over <laughs> you uh, instead of squashing you. And, and I was just going, how couldn't United win this game? How? It, it makes no sense. I mean, everyone was all over the place. I mean, Smalling, before he did himself, was all over the place. Rojo kept giving the ball away. Uh, McNair, he had a McNair, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. poor lad. Yeah, no, poor, no, he did, though. It's totally it was brutal, first... but he was all over the place positionally. And then, of course, you know, the things that, that's really visible is the fact that he just kept giving the ball to the opposition. Carrick uh, was letting runners pass him uh, quite a few occasions, not least for Southampton's goal. Uh, Matter completely anonymous. Young, actually, you know, arguably United's best player, right? Apart from uh, Van Persie, who I think was apart, exceptional. Apart from Van Persie, who was, who was very good, not just the goals. No. You know, Valencia, uh, again, couldn't really get into the game. Uh, Flaney uh, just kept giving the ball away, you Oof. know. just and, and when he wasn't giving the ball away, he was elbowing people. Um, and, and Rooney was just one of those games where he was completely anonymous again. And, you know, so you like, oh, well, you know how he scores game goals in bursts and he has great forming bursts. And it normally lasts about 10 games. Yeah, it lasted six. On four occasion. games, four yeah. games, four, four, four United games. It. Yeah, no, no, it was it was the two England games, and then Arsenal and Hull, and yeah. th- that was it. And then he got injured at the end of the whole game. No, no, that's right, um, that's fair enough. Yeah, uh, and then then Van Persie, you know, who aside from you know very two very well taken goals, 
actually did very well. His movement was good. He was good off the ball, wasn't he? He was you know, making the right layoffs yeah. into wide positions. It looked like he got a bit of his zip back. That's Van Persie's best performance of the season by miles and miles and miles. It's the reverse curse of the rant cast. At Barca Gym, he didn't know anything about the reverse curse of the rant cast because he's a recent listener and that's more of a an early days of the rant cast thing. But we used to talk about this all the time. Whenever we slate a player, we slate Rooney, then suddenly... Boom, he's in form. And then we turn out Ira on Van Persie. He comes back to life. So what Barca Jim has requested is that we said there's no way that he's going to have any success with the ladies at all over the Christmas season. Uh, which... <laughs> <laughs> no chance, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, mate. Um, a podcast cannot help you with the ladies. <laughs> I mean, we could appeal to the greater good of female kind. Poor old Barca Jim. He's not been laid in years. Uh, you know he doesn't smell of desperation at all <laughs> you know help Barca Jim help himself this Christmas um, yeah so the thing about Van Persie's performance as you say like his hold up play was back to life he was doing that thing where two defenders are around him and he ends up with the ball on the other side of the defenders four completed take-ons out of his four attempts which you know whenever you cite stats they're only ever to back up the point. They're never to make the key point, right? The key point was it just looked like he had a, a, a very fine game. And, and the two goals, both very, very well taken. I thought he got a little bit... I mean, obviously, he got lucky with the assist from the Southampton defenders. It did kind of look like they were just like, oh, we better give them one. They're really useless. This is going to be no fun if we don't get them a goal first. Um, but like, I thought Van Persie was actually quite lucky to get that through the keeper's legs because the keeper had to kind of stretch his leg in order for the ball to go under it. Yeah, I, I mean, he didn't hit it cleanly, uh, or at least he didn't hit it with any kind of power. But, you know, that helped, actually. I think yeah, he hit it, it really cleanly. It's going straight at the keeper. So, you know, I think I think he's done all right. He was sharp. He was sharp. Yeah. He got onto that ball in a way that perhaps he wouldn't have done, uh, you know, a few games ago or any time over the last 18 months, in fact. Um, uh, but second, yeah, as I think you were going to say, you know, really, really good finish, wasn't it? Yeah, fantastic. Um, maybe keeper should have done better, but I, I think it was exceptional. A, a word about Van Gaal's substitutions in that game. The first one forced, I was very terrified to see Johnny Evans. As you know, I, I rate Johnny Evans perhaps higher than you do, but Johnny Evans coming back from injury after he was not exactly brilliant before he was injured. And Smalling has been really solid for a bunch of games in a row. So sad to see him hobble off again, uh, although predict as you'll always say but then the substitution very early on having used the substitution through injury to make a tactical substitution so early was actually very brave of Van Gaal and a kind of classic Moyes would never have done that type move um and it was definitely the right move. I, I was really surprised I think everyone was surprised to see Carrick drop back into the back three rather than the full restructure that many thought was coming and probably hoped was coming. But yeah, poor old McNair. I mean, definitely not going to heap too much criticism on the young man. He's he, This is the first time he's had a bad game and he's played in some very difficult situations. So, you know. We'll find out um, how much Van Hal put stock in that. Uh, I mean, after Blackett had that you know, mayor at Leicester, he didn't play for a while, did he? So we'll see if McNair's in the team. He might have to be if Smalley's injured, of course. It kind of depends on... Uh, the formation against Liverpool next weekend. You know, I, I'm not sure from week to week whether it's going to be back three, five, four, or two, or whatever it was. You know, well, he he hasn't he hasn't gone to the back three at home, and I still can't quite see him doing that, especially given how woeful the performance was. Yeah, 
Uh, well, you'd hope so, and, and uh, indeed how woeful Liverpool are just every week. <laughs> so We'll get on to that in a bit. The tale of woe. Yeah. We haven't quite finished this tale of woe in fact it hasn't ended as a tale of woe has it I mean the no, fact is you know I said you know I said you know I said when Percy scores with 20 minutes to go and United got better after that I thought you know <laughs> it's true and You're you know right. actually a measure of control um, interesting that Rooney dropped into the left hand side to give Young some protection Van Persie was pretty much up front on his own after that and you know United just looked a little more solid played on the break there are a few opportunities that, that Rooney could have used to you know to better effect I think he ran with the ball and ran out of steam a couple of times interesting actually one, one particular occasion I think with about you know five six minutes to go he's uh, he's sprinting at three Southampton defenders you know looks like classic Rooney of old then he stops turns and passes it back to Ander Herrera who's absolutely nowhere near the ball or you know or the ball was nowhere near Ander Herrera and and the Spaniard gets tackled and you're like yeah there's no, no I... way Rooney at 18 would have done that no way he would have been absolutely bursting along to beat those defenders or take it into the corner yeah I mean I, I think in Rooney's defense maybe he's back sooner than he would have been under ideal circumstances from the knock he got against Hull and he did look short of sharpness and fitness and and maybe that will come back and the performances will come back quicker than they have recently and the one thing also to say in Rooney's defense we wax lyrical about Van Persie's finish but that was a beautiful free kick so well done Rooney for that but not so much for the rest of it which was a bit unfortunate. Matter's performance. I, I said on Twitter, the thing you can say for Matter is that he's hardly given the ball away and everyone went, oh, that's because he's never had it. Basically, my mention was full of it, full of that, that sentence with varying degrees of swear words in, I'm assuming, that voice. But actually, he, he made more passes than any other United player up to the time he went off. Rocco just pipped him by the end, but he hardly gave the ball away. But... You look at his pass map and it really does look like it took me. I did three checks to see which way United was supposed to be going on the pass map because everything went backwards, but everything. Yeah, true. Uh, Matt's problem, I think, is is where was he playing, right? So he wasn't playing at classic number 10 by any means. He was, he was deeper than that and kind of, you know, felt like he drifted to the left hand side. Where was Rooney playing? Was he playing at classic number 10? Was he playing up front? He also drifted to the left-hand side. So it felt like there was a lack of cohesion. I mean, the biggest problem, of course, is that United was such a mess at the back and had such trouble transitioning from back to front that Matter, you know, didn't didn't feel like he was getting the ball in the right kind of positions. I, I actually haven't seen the heat map, uh, but I would suspect he was a lot deeper than is typical for a number 10. Just watching the game, you know, what with my eyes uh, not with all this fancy technology malarkey um, and you know it just doesn't feel like he's in, in those classic number 10 positions where he can influence the game no Rooney and Van Persie in the player influence map Rooney and Van Persie are almost level with each other so very much playing as two strikers and Matter is bang smack in the centre circle um, on that yeah. player I, I prefer the heat maps myself oh, I yeah. think that gives a, a better picture of, um, of let's have a nerd off yeah <laughs> Yeah. See, Barca Jim, that's what gets you girls at parties, mate. <laughs> Barca Jim was uh, disgusted when I met him in real life and me and Alwyn started sharing very specific points. He said, you've gone full anorak far too early there. Talking of anorak and numbers, 
Manchester United with three attempts on goal during that match, the fewest that Manchester United have ever attempted since Opta began collecting that stat 11 years ago. Southampton had 15 shots. It is one of those games that you play in football manager and go, you know, it's like the, the you get to the Champions League final and you've worked like your little lads have worked all season for it. And then they absolutely hammer Real Madrid in the, in the final, but Real Madrid score the two goals on the break, you know. But in real life... I, I can't even say we scored the two goals on the break no. uh, either. Um, it was a, a set piece and a, a bit of a fluke defensive error. So, uh, <laughs> but that <laughs> best game ever. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I mean, you know, if that that sums up United's attack and and the absolute horror show of the back three sums up United's defence. Um, you know, if you took the goals out of that game and said guess who won that game, it'd be hard to predict a two-one victory for United. But you know, it is, and and you know what. The stat that counts, three points for United. And Absolutely. United are third. Can, you know, it, it's hardly credulous, given some of the performances this season that United are up to third. And of course, it's a long way behind Chelsea. And maybe that's the more important barometer of United's quality this season. And maybe there's a lot of mediocrity in the Premier League full stop. But third place... Uh, third place. It's really interesting because in the summer, it felt like the Premier League had really strengthened. You know, with some of the players that came in versus come out. There's, you know, since Ronaldo left and Bale left, there's been this sort of sense of decline. But, you know, this summer, Alexis came, Di Maria came, Falcao came. It felt like, you know, the Pre- Costa, Fabregas, you know, there was a big influx of yeah, talent yeah. into the Premier League. Um, I suppose Suarez left. That was the the one big talent leaving but generally like it's been a terrible stand you say we're a long way behind Chelsea we're eight points behind Chelsea we've definitely been eight points behind at this stage of the season and won the league before I'm not saying that's what's likely to happen but you know it's it we are not as far behind Chelsea as you would think we would be at this stage yes I mean I suppose Chelsea's defeat at the weekend certainly aids that one a very good weekend for United wasn't it Uh, apart from City's victory I suppose and West Ham's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I kind of forget them as a... You know, do, do, do we think they're a force? Uh, <laughs> yeah. About to take a place in the Champions League next season? The thing is, right, of course Arsenal are going to end up putting together a run of form and coming fourth. You just assume that's going to happen. But at some point, it's not going to work anymore for Arsenal, surely. And they really do look atrocious. So, you know, anyway. So this week was Manchester United's party and I uh, thought the most interesting thing about that, Louis van Gaal and wife attended. That's not supposed to happen, is it? It's players' party. And the thing he said afterwards that he was impressed with United's cohesion. Uh, and I'm assuming that's on the dance floor because there was some kind of, you know, dance off or something like that, which Van Gaal won because, you know, he's a he's an entertainer coach. <laughs> yes, as you said, cohesion on the dance floor rather than on the football pitch, uh, clearly. But there it, there does seem to be good team spirit. You know, you can sort of see that there's there, there's people that like each other in that team. Isn't there? Uh, yeah, they appear to be playing for each other, which uh, which they certainly do, didn't do under Moyes. Moyes, he's come up a few games, come up a few games, come up a few times <laughs> uh, in this conversation, and uh, indeed. <laughs> This week as well. So four games into his Real Sociedad uh, experiment. Can we call it an experiment? Kind of is. He he got smashed, or uh, Real Sociedad got smashed 4-0 at uh, Villarreal. A game... Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, as he would say himself. <laughs> yes, rather, rather unfortunate. Uh, rather a lot of crosses and long balls from his team in that game. I saw you tweet this. It was only 20 crosses. That's not that many crosses. 
<laughs> yeah, a lot of long balls. Eighty-nine yeah. long balls. Very, and, very a lot of long balls. You know, Hoof it, uh, hoof it, Moisey. I mean, look, the overall record is one victory, two draws, and one loss. And, and for a team, you know, battling relegation, that's actually not too bad, right? If they pick up uh, five points uh, out of every four games, they will be just about all right, I would assume, uh, from now until the end of the season. But there you go. That's uh, Moyes' update. Can we stop doing these? Because I don't ever want to think about him again as long as I live. We'll, we'll make it shorter. We call it Moyes' date. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Right, you've talked me into it now. And Moyes' date, that's what Zahar went on, right? God, he's still alive. Oh, yeah, he is. He nearly scored a goal for Crystal Palace. Very good. Good good one, young man. United, six points from six. It's all <laughs> rosy, right? We, we just batter everyone in sight now we just win this is what it's just the new united way just oh you got a football match oh yeah all right united will win that it's just like old times yeah five 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 in a row you know that's um that, that hasn't happened for for two years or something like that i heard someone say and uh, you know that's a measure of form in one way or another isn't it you know i, I think in those five games not a lot of fantastic performance i mean Hull, maybe, and that's that's about it. But uh, but momentum is momentum, right? Absolutely. And if you look at those games, Crystal Palace, you definitely can't say we were lucky to win that because we completely dominated that and just lacked cutting edge. Arsenal, yeah, we were definitely lucky that they didn't do something more. But then actually in the second half, we were better than them. Hull, we were brilliant, and but Hull were terrible. Stoke, we were really good for 60 minutes or pretty good for 60 minutes. It's only really Southampton where we were a colossal joke, you know. So, before we get on to Liverpool, we have a couple of updates. Uh, You wanted to give an update on a competition winner, or two. Yes, we should have done this last week. The Selakey contest uh, to win a meal for two at a new restaurant in Chawton called Selakey has won by At Wormito, who uh, is a long-time friend of the show and brilliantly, correctly identified that Robin Van Persie was the man who tipped £50 on the £100 bill and Patrice Evra was the man who tipped £5 on the £100 bill. Who would have thought that Evra's a tight one? Not you, Ed. Not you. Not me, no. I was certain it would have been Paddy that... that uh, wow. I, I have to reassess his whole time at Old Trafford now as, <laughs> but as a result he, of that. The thing is, apparently, it was always lovely to everyone and also he's got about 400 siblings. So, you know, the, Patrice Evra's money has got to go a long way. So, yeah. But, but he's got a lot of money, Paul. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, you know, there's a lot of people relying on that money. So I, I, give, him, I, give, him, I give him a free pass on that one. He should have done an Anderson and gone to McDonald's. <laughs> he should. Um, yeah, so that, that's congratulations to Wormito. Now, this is the thing I'm really... That was a lovely a lovely prize to be able to give away. But I'm, I'm super excited about the next prize just because I really love this thing. We're giving away a mug, a big uh, mug by Urban Colours. You can follow on Twitter, at Urban Colours. Uh, made out of fine bone china, designed in Manchester. There you go. And they are decorated, fired and glazed by the... The Staffordshire Heritage in Stoke-on-Trent. It's a really, really beautiful print of uh, Old Trafford drawn from the Salford Keys. They're based on a sold-out print, but there are 60 of those mugs left, and they're at the Albert Square Markets in Manchester. Directly behind the Macaroon Man, you can find them, and they're just really lovely. So we would like to give away a mug, and uh, with that, we should come up with a thematically 
appropriate price. Who is the biggest mug you've ever sat near at Old Trafford? <laughs> what is the most muggish statement any mug has ever mugged during during Old Trafford? And, and as I said last week, the uh, chap sitting behind me uh, at the whole game was in with a shout for that. Uh, so yeah, really lovely mug. Um, and so I'll I'll put pictures of those on Twitter. Very nice. Uh, we were also giving away a T-shirt, except uh, I've been too lazy. I haven't picked a winner yet. So I will do and I'll let everyone know on Twitter. And, and uh, you know, a couple of you will have a, a couple of T-shirts. So it's uh, first prize is a very nice Cantonar T-shirt. Uh, booby prize is a Rooney T-shirt. <laughs> I'm trying really hard to be like positive about Rooney in, in, in the way I feel about him because I don't like holding grudges. But yeah. And I did this this thing where I looked at all the seasons he's ever played for United. He's never had a bad season. Not not unequivocally bad. He's had seasons where lots of bad things have happened. But he's always scored goals every season. And but you know what? I don't think that is the narrative of Rooney's career. I don't think any, I don't think you know anyone can sensibly argue that he's a bad he's had a bad career. I think you know the narrative for me is potentially a world class player who didn't reach his full potential. Uh, who's put up brilliant numbers, but whose inconsistencies has stopped him reaching that very you know, pinnacle uh, in terms of you know his relative merits against other players of his generation. And much of that is down to his own performance and has ruined some of the perception of him by requesting on transfer twice and being a fat scass. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with the last bit of that. No, he definitely asked for two transfers. <laughs> oh, you cut out the last bit of it, right? Um, <laughs> no. But, uh, but yeah, that you're not wrong. But the flip side of that is going to end his career as United and England's top scorer and having won the Champions League and umpteen league winners' medals and all that malarkey. So. Completely. And, uh, you know, that narrative... Um, the, the one I described, I'm sure, will get lost in time amid the sort of history books that will show him as the, the top ever goal scorer for United and England and, you know, massive award winner, of course. Yeah, and, and you know, but there, there was an interesting thing because I, I can't remember whether it was 04, 05 or 05, 06. Uh, I think the first one of those. But Rooney and Ronaldo scored almost exactly the same number of goals. They scored 20 goals each. and No, 23 goals each, I think. And Rooney got 14 assists and Ronaldo got 23 assists. So like really close in those numbers. Those numbers aren't quite right, but it's something like that. And at that point, they look really equal. And in in a way, I think Rooney is, is poorly served by existing at the same time as Ronaldo and having come through at the same time as the two of them because the barometer for him becomes completely unrealistic at that point. But it doesn't become re- unrealistic. I mean, that's my frustration with him, right? So Ronaldo scored a, a record-breaking number of hat-tricks this week, you know, 23rd hat-trick. He's got 200 goals in 178 appearances for Real Madrid, something like that. Unbelievable stats. Uh, you know, he left United and scored 42 goals and then 26 goals in his last two seasons. That last season, somewhat injury disrupted and he just went up from there, right? But but at their, you know, respective ages, Ronaldo at 17, Rooney at 17, there wasn't any difference in quality, right? The, the difference has been the application. So Ronaldo has managed to keep growing his ability through real application in the gym and on the training pitch and practice and professionalism like you wouldn't believe, you know, this isn't luck for all the the kind of accusations of vanity. This is one of the hardest working professionals that's ever lived, right? Rooney has not done the same thing. And and I think, you know, he has suffered in a way... No, that's, that's my frustration. You know, b- brilliant career, all these trophies, all these goals. And at 17, 18, 
he was as good as anybody on the planet at that age. And, and he should have gone up from there. The thing is, I don't fundamentally disagree with you. So the, the first one is, is mild and debatable, and it's that R- Ronaldo went to Real Madrid, which is like cheating, <laughs> essentially. Uh, but as we've had this discussion before, and you, you, you quite rightly said that earn that kind of highest level thing. Anyway, but the second thing is, you know, I said that the comparison to Ronaldo serves him really poorly. And one of the things that Ferguson said in his book, one of the actual good things that he said in his book, is that work rate is a talent too. And Ronaldo's level of application is is genuinely almost unmatched. It's superhuman application. There are only a handful of professionals ever, like Ryan Giggs, maybe Zanetti. You know, it's like, it's a really tiny number of people that are simply that professional. Maybe Gary Neville, you could argue, is on that level too, but just way, way down in terms of the baseline of natural talent. So that that is tough on Rooney. But it's undeniable that they were at the same level and then they very much aren't anymore. So I think the, the natural talent they had, you know, when they got to an age of, you know, less than total maturity, you know, 17, 18 or whatever, was about equal. Uh, and, and one player has made more of his career than the other. You know, that sounds like real nitpicking, doesn't it? You know, in the big context of Rooney, England's top goal scorer, United's top goal scorer, well, at least he will be in, in you know, very short order. It sounds like nitpicking, but I'm not sure it is. You know, I think yeah, when when a lot of United fans assess Rooney, they'll have a think about how many wonderful performances there were as a percentage of his his overall base of performances. You know, and I I I just I just feel a lot of meh in there. Uh, a lot of you know great numbers, uh, not always awesome performances. And uh, you know this thing about bursty performances and bursty goals is very true, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, a- absolutely, and and it's true with most footballers, right? That's the thing. It's the, the people that don't do that, the people that don't have patches, are the exception and not the rule. Yeah, well, okay, let's let's move on from this anyway. Yeah, yeah we let's. like to have a long debate, uh, totally off, you know, off the main <laughs> topic. Um, to one one final thing, one final thing. I have to go back to Southampton game just just for a little thing. You know, talking about players having patchy form, Maran Fellaini has had patchy oh. form. He was good oh. for four games. <laughs> he, he returned. Order has been restored to the force. <laughs> Fellaini is once again rubbish. The thing is, though, in that game, once Carrick dropped into defence, Fellaini was playing at that base of United's midfield where he was so terrible under Moyes. So it was kind of to be expected, wasn't it? He... he Oh, so bad, so very, very bad. At one point, I took to googling for giraffe on ice, thinking I'd find a funny gif. I didn't, <laughs> but that was Marianne Fellaini. Uh, at Badman Bugti asked this before the game, saying, "Yo, who would win a rap battle between Fellaini or McNair?" The thing is, I think McNair would go to the Paddy McNair from Ballyclare well too many times. And I think Fellaini might come up with a few more interesting rhymes. And Fellaini could also do it in multiple languages. So I reckon that both of them had really terrible games, but I reckon Fellaini would just edge it. And... Not having that. McNair speaks English and Northern Ireland. <laughs> At Mr. Adam underscore Davies says, how many trainer coaches does it take to change a light bulb? Which I've only really read out as an excuse to do the accent, but also to tell the story that was doing the rounds before the Southampton game of the Ronald Koeman louis van Gaal beef. Because uh, light bulbs are an important fixture in a house. Uh, do you know this story, Ed? The, the, the Ronald Koeman and Louis van Gaal had a massive falling out at Ajax and Koeman got van Gaal sacked. So then Koeman buys this house on a lovely plot of land. 
in the Algarve <laughs> in, the in Algarve. Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> and Louis rocks up going Algarve, Louis van Garve more like, builds a bigger house that Koeman <laughs> could see from his front god. <laughs> Gloriously, magnificently petty. So I'm not sure how many trainer coaches it takes to change a light bulb, but to build an entire house just to spite someone only takes one, apparently. Yeah, he, he said uh, one stage after that second, uh, you know, like everyone, I did a lot of reading about this. Uh, it, it seemed to be the dominant uh, story, didn't it, before the game, not about, uh, you know, fourth place versus fifth place or whatever it was, but... Um, Van Hal versus Koeman and uh, said after that falling out that he'd never have dinner with him again and that he was far too busy to have a drink with him after the game even though he'd heard about this tradition. So yeah, uh, I'm not sure the beef has really settled just yet. It hasn't. Although incidentally, Roy Keane this week did say he would go for a cup of tea with Alex Ferguson if he got an apology, which is basically the same as saying he won't go for a cup of tea with Alex Ferguson. That is never going to happen. At 987 underscore Sean, has Tony V ever take a th- taken a throw in that is isn't a foul throw. No, never. He's never done it. Has he ever put a cross in that? Hasn't he the first man? Yeah, for the entirety of 2011 or whenever it was. Um, if this was a normal season, asks at Eddie Rose 13, where Chelsea weren't the only team trying, what position would United be in? I think we'd be third, you know. I think we might have been the third best team this season in the league. Apparently that's the case, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's Dutch for I don't understand, asks the Dodo. It's I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the FA Cup draw at Chris E underscore 316 says Accrington Scan- Stanley or Yeovil. Who are they? Uh, you think that Milkad kid was ever good enough for them? That Milkad kid currently in a TV series called Trolley, which I'd never heard of, but Fino 76 knows him the other famous football ad years ago was the mcdonald's ad with scott parker right <laughs> yes so i mean yeah i'm disappointed in the accrington stanley kid that he didn't yeah uh, but he know, didn't become he didn't play become f- a scott parker he just drank milk though he didn't play football it was an advert for milk right That's... yeah but you know he he was hoping to be a footballer uh yeah maybe so but instead he was an actor he obviously got the bug unlike ian rush who continued to be a footballer um but yeah we've got accrington stanley or yeovil away it's amazing we didn't get a premier league team at home thus costing all the season ticket holders tons of money for a game they could see anyway that's those are going to be some sought after away tickets i would imagine when when's the last time united played a lower division team in the FA Cup and actually played well because there's been some stinker of performances recently oh Crawley Town remember that one the Darren Darren Gibson special wasn't it after that game we all uh, we all came out thinking that Bebe was good no no it wasn't <laughs> no it wasn't that game Ravel Morrison might have had a a little uh, cameo in that he game. did yeah I, I don't know I can't help thinking Van Gaal's going to make Falcao play in it because he can't play him in the reserves as he would like to because it turns out we had this massive debate about his philosophy and this week he made it very clear he said team has to, a player coming back from injury has to play in the second team first that's my philosophy but I can't do it because Fal- we've got too many injuries so there you go he's been avert it's nothing to do with formation it's just when you're coming back from injury he's been spent talked about his philosophy so much and it was so simple all along I know I'm glad he clarified that one because you know we almost had a falling out over that one and, and <laughs> It was nearly the end of the rank cast, let me tell you. <laughs> no, my philosophy is it's okay to agree to disagree. Very good. For sure. For sure. Right. Oh, talking of 
falling out. It's a game against our enemies at Liverpool. Dirty Scouse. I don't like it when you go all like are you, this. Are you feeding the Scousers this That's weekend, so this Christmas? horrible and classist and stupid and oh, based on terrible unemployment wrought by the evils of Thatcherism and yet what do United fans do? All suffered from it too. Oh yeah, let's mock economic deprivation because it's that time of year, lads. Depressing. I know I'm in a minority of about three on this particular subject, but that's the end of my soapbox. My least favourite fixture of the season's not the case for you, is it, Ed? Well, poverty is a terrible thing, Paul. I, I definitely agree with you there. But the thing is, you know, you have to, even if you're poor, you have to make decisions and be responsible for your own decisions. And there's no forgiving eating rats in the council house. Just none. It's just unacceptable. It's just it's just inhumane. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I don't know if humane is the right thing, really, because they're rats. But, you know, I get your point. It's very true. Very true. Um, yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy the the, uh, the Liverpool fixture. When banter doesn't cross the line into unacceptable mocking of deaths on either side or using that as a stick to beat each other with. And I hope it won't cross that line. This weekend. I, I bet you a million, billion, trillion pounds it definitely, definitely yeah, will. You've got to be able to back that up with some kind of asset, Paul. And uh, a million, billion, trillion <laughs> okay, pounds yeah. is something you can't back up. I can't. No. Right, good. No, it would be a much, much, much smaller number than that. Very good. Very good. Well, yeah, I'm absolutely certain there will be reports and uh, I'm sure there will be a few idiots singing things that they really shouldn't do on both sides. Unfortunately, we always get it. On the pitch, we are playing a team in Liverpool who are pretty dire. I I mean, everyone said last season, it's really interesting, isn't it, that, that without Suarez, Liverpool would be mediocre. Turns out that everyone was right. <laughs> yeah, except me, right? At the beginning of this season. Oh, yeah, no, Ed, I think Liverpool will be all right. I think they've signed really well. I think they've added some depth to their squad. <laughs> nope. Yeah. You said, no, I think they're going to be rubbish because they've lost X million goals from their team. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a neat summary of, of a longer discussion, I suppose. Yeah, well, look, they haven't been, a, been able to replace those goals. They actually haven't been able to replace the all-round quality and, and all those players that come in really haven't performed in the way that Brendan Rodgers would have wanted to so um, it's been a real mess of a season for them Uh, Steven Gerrard's you know massive fall from grace has been quite amusing to watch did you say something about Steven Gerrard and falling I did yeah I slipped up there I promised I wouldn't say anything about that Uh, it's just going to be 90 minutes of that isn't it that's what it's going to be of course uh, which is fine that I don't have any problem with they have been terrible another nil-nil home draw for them was it the Ludogrets game that it was two all and afterwards Lambert and what's his name Brendan Rogers both saying in the press conference afterwards this is a turning point this is a great vindication of our season it's like you've just drawn two all with a team I've literally never heard of before Ludogrets Ludicrous yeah uh, their season's going nowhere faster uh, you know it, it's the old thing here yeah, we will not let it slip, lads. You know, they've been terrible all season. They are not going to let that slip. Although, Maintaining their standards. The thing is, they might let it slip against us because they this is a, a, a fixture for which they traditionally raise their game, it's fair to say. True, uh, they cup final. Completely battered us last season. It was like we weren't even there. It was one of the two apotheosis of Moyes fixtures. I can barely remember either game. I think it's, you know, it's like post-traumatic stress disorder or whatever, right? It, it's gone <laughs> from, I get this horror flashback now and again and I wake up screaming, but 
aside from that there's nothing there mate sorry yeah so we'll see but i can't imagine it's going to be as bad as that i really hope van gaal goes back to playing four at the back and diamond midfield and all that stuff that works it'd be really really lovely if de maria's back for this one which he might be it'd also be really lovely if falcao can play more than 20 minutes of this one which i suspect he will be able to although there are some very difficult decisions to make because van Persie wasn't very good against stoke but he was excellent against hull and and probably his best game of the season as we said against Southampton so I think he's going to play Van Gaal's already said he's not dropping his captain uh, and Rooney's had one poor game after injury after a run of good fixtures so it would both unlikely and seems unreasonable to drop him so I guess those two are going to play be interesting to see if he once again leaves Herrera out the side because that would seem to me a really bizarre decision unless there has been some sort of personal falling out between them yeah I mean and uh, yeah I can't see that really yeah completely so Rooney and Van Persie will play the one option if Falcao was to play is that Rooney drops into the the tip of a diamond midfield I don't think that will happen Falcao's not fit enough to start he'll be on the bench whether the diamond comes back in I'm not sure I don't I don't think he'll start with a three you know you're you're right there it's not going to happen at Old Trafford and uh, and there's very little need for it either you know certainly tactically uh, Liverpool don't play with an awful lot of width so back four it's it's going to be and and you know Carrick will sit in front of that you can you can guarantee that one and then the rest of it is a bit up in the air you know Fellaini appears to start every game at the moment Herrera doesn't matter in and out of the side Valencia and Young not sure what will happen with them depends whether Di Maria's back and if Di Maria plays then that might change up the system again because you know he's not necessarily going to play in the diamond so a lot of a lot of potential for change both in personnel and in system for the Liverpool game yeah I mean I think Di Maria's had most of his best games for United playing in that diamond hasn't he so we'd, we'd see with him on the left Herrera on the right Carrick at the base I think you can drop Fellaini but I suspect he won't but I think it's sort of quite convenient potentially that Fellaini's just had a really poor game because there's there's every reason to drop him but I think Van Gaal does seem to be somewhat in this mindset of oh yeah big big game bigger team better play Fellaini which you suspect he might change over time but we'll see we'll see how do you think Liverpool are going to line up because I, I've got no real sense of their team's identity this season they really seem to be struggling with that something you don't expect of a Rodgers side well yeah and that's the thing about Rodgers over the years it always felt like he had a, a strategy and he knew where he wanted his team to go and he knew how he wanted it to be built and the, their way of playing and Suarez goes, and they, oh, that's all disappeared, right? You know, they're switching their midfield up. They don't necessarily switch the tactics up, but Suarez and Sturridge being injured has completely changed everything for him. So Gerrard's in and out of the side, more out than in at the moment, and their performances are seriously inconsistent as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they've obviously missed Sturridge hugely as well as Suarez, haven't they? Uh, but he's another biscuit man, isn't he? So... Uh, talking of biscuit mans, what, what do you think our defence is going to be? I've no idea. So we haven't got a right back. So Tony Valencia will play there. Let's assume it's a four-four-two. So I guess Valencia Smalling looks like he's injured. So Evans will have to play um, alongside Rojo and, and younger left back. I mean, feels a, feels a mess. But he, Van Hal's very reluctant to play Blackett at left back uh, Rojo could play there and Blackett come in but Blackett hasn't had a game for a few weeks now so um, I'm not sure I can answer your question what about you what do you think I I, I think it's I just assume it's going to be Valencia Valencia Evans Rojo 
and young because it's possible that sure Raphael would be back no sure they said he's out for the year didn't they so he definitely won't be back so until the new year you mean not for a year let's not speculate no yeah sorry <laughs> sorry yeah I don't want to do a Man United Twitter no, account no quite well you know big question is where Sterling plays yeah so he's been playing in a wide position the last few weeks but he sometimes goes infield when Gerard doesn't play so if, oh, I, I hope Gerard plays. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, completely, uh, completely awful, isn't he? No mobility, which helps uh, when we have Carrick in the team. <laughs> what, wonderful passer, mobility, not a strong point. No, absolutely. Yeah, so Sterling will give Valencia or Young either depends on you know whatever side he plays a really tough time for sure. So uh, let's predict an outcome for this game. I think given that we just can't stop winning, it doesn't really matter how we play, we just win. I'm going to predict a United win. I'm going to say we're going to beat them 3-1. Falcao with the the emphatic final goal to make it 3-1. Yeah, so I think United will have a reaction from the chaos that was uh, the defence at Southampton. Have a what, sorry? A reaction. (laughs) A trainer coach reaction. Uh, And I think the trainer coach will uh, tighten things up a little bit. So I'm going to go for a 1-0 win. I like it. I mean, I'll be very happy with that. I I mean, it starts to get really, really real if we win another couple of games on the bounce. It really really (laughs) does, yeah. Aside from the 1-0 win, I I should add that I hope Gerard scores the last minute. (laughs) Yes, that would be a delight. It's a lovely way to cap off his career. It would. So, a reminder that you get your uh, answers of who's the biggest mug you've ever sat next to or behind or near in a football match. And all those people who sit behind the bench, you know, all all of those guys, you're not allowed allowed to stay moist. I'm sorry to say again, it's miser. Um, but yeah, they are, they're really, really, really well worth winning. It's a lovely prize. And just put a hashtag rankcast if you uh, do the answer on Twitter or email us at cast at unitedrant.co.uk. No it- one's emailed us at that, that email address ever. You see, you know, the young people what listen to podcasts. Yeah don't use email no they don't but we've had like three and they're all from people that say look i don't do twitter so i kind of mention it every now and again for the people out there that don't um so yeah a lovely lovely prize um for the united fan in your life which let's face it is probably you so get yourself a christmas present if you don't win and get yourself down to the german markets and get one and then if you win the prize you can give it to somebody who supports united and they'll be like oh what a lovely christmas present and all that sort of malarkey or non-denominational winter festival of your choosing of course oh happy holidays i, I was in the states for a couple of weeks and uh happy what what does that mean exactly happy holidays but yeah happy holidays it is well you know it's it's the holidays it's the non-denominational winter festival holidays yeah yeah but everyone gets a day off a single day. I see it. Christmas Day. There's no holiday. America seems... America, for many reasons that we won't go into this podcast, seems like a terrible, terrible place. Ah, but, anyway. but uh, funny thing is, you know, we've made fun of MLS, haven't we, quite a few times. And uh, Yeah, did you have a good time I at the Sanders? I had a great time at the Sanders. Very good atmosphere. Uh, you know, just great all-round experience, really. Not, not least because you can drink beer while watching a game. So by the end of the match, I was thoroughly trashed. But I did enjoy the game thoroughly. Uh, I thought the Sanders were very unlucky. Lost two... Lost on away goals in the end. So it was 2-1 on the night. A couple of goals coming in very short order before the the half-time break. Robbie Keane was pretty rubbish all night. Um, 
you know. Massive shout out to Portland because we had a rank cast listener. It's very upset that we'd given some love to the Sounders. So we're neutral in the Seattle versus Portland wars. Yeah. Next time I'm in, I'm in Portland, which is uh, probably not anytime soon, but you know, you never know. I will uh, I will go and visit the Portland whatever's Tim- Timbers. <laughs> the Portland whatever's would be such a great name for an MLS franchise. <laughs> So yeah, it's Manchester whatever's against Liverpool whatever's uh, at the weekend. We're sorry about the crazy schedule. It's partly down to fixtures and partly down to producer Tom, who does such an incredible job of getting the rank cast to you every week. He's His work thing's crazy, so we're not going to be able to record until midweek next week. So there's going to be another little gap. Uh, no no rank cast next Monday, but one at some point after in between the Liverpool game and the, whoever we're playing after that game. So if you want to get hold of us between now and then, you can get me on Twitter at UTDRankCast, get Ed at UnitedRant. Get us both at unitedrant.co.uk or facebook.com slash unitedrant. Read what I write on the Bleach Report. Read what Ed writes on United Rant and leave us a review on iTunes if you would be so kind. I went and read a load of the reviews on iTunes today because I haven't done that for ages and some absolutely lovely stuff. So a huge thanks from the bottom of my heart to everyone that said nice things about us on uh, that. It makes all this worthwhile. Very good. Thank you very much. Uh, Let's hope we're talking again, whatever time it is. When did you say we were recording? In a couple of years' time. Anyway, we'll have played Liverpool and beaten them by then, uh, won't we? Yeah, I hope so, as long as we continue to get lucky. <laughs>